Welcome to the Renewed Mind Podcast, presented by Jameson Smallwood, recorded live at Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia. August 4th, and we are in Bible study guide number 10, and our topic this morning is Festival of Booths. Our Bible background scripture is Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 73, clause B, down through chapter 8, verse 18. Our printed text this morning can be found in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 13 through 18. Our devotional reading this morning was read from Exodus chapter 23, verses 12 through 17. Our aim for change, by the end of the lesson, we will understand the significance of celebrating God's blessings reflect on our attitudes towards celebrating God's blessings and plan to celebrate God's blessings. Amen. Um, I'm going to skip this morning reading our normal reading through our scripture and I'll give you a little background on it. This is talking about the children of Israel as they return from captivity and they celebrate the festival of booze. But we commonly think of it as the, uh, the, the, we call it the we call it typically the festival of tabernacles, the festival of tabernacles, and I will read one verse for for you, and this is Nehemiah chapter eight verses fourteen verse fourteen. They found written in the law which the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival on the seventh month. Yep, that's the right one. Now, it's interesting how the scripture puts that they found written in the law. Okay, what had happened with these with the children of Israel is that they had gotten to a place where they were no longer familiar with the law, the word of God. And they had a, they had this period of reestablishing their familiarity with it, where they had teachers and and and, and priests help them interpret what was in the law. So that's why it says they found written in the law, because they had no longer they had lost their familiarity with the law. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of them having lost familiarity with the law, they had, they had forgotten all about the festivals and all the different rites and, and rituals that they had to perform under, underneath the law. Okay, And so we see here this festival live in temporary shelters during the festival. That's all a tabernacle is, is a temporary shelter. Amen? Alright. Let's zoom on through some of this here since we're pressed for time. Make sure I don't miss anything else. All right. So we got to understand festivals before we can really understand the significance of this festival. Um, first off, somebody tell me what, what is a festival? A festival. A gala celebration. A gala celebration. Amen. Amen. A festival. Amen. We have festivals all all the time. You know, in in all walks of society, we have a we have a peach festival back home where we celebrate the peach harvest in back home because peaches are the local crop of the community that I'm from. And we call it the peach festival because we celebrate the peaches coming in and you get to each pe- eat peach ice cream and peach tarts and peach pie and peach jam and peach, 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 right? Oh, that's a nice, that's a nice time, D. Amen. And uh, so to understand festivals as a celebration, God instituted festivals as a way to remind Israel of the many victorious milestones in their history carried out by him. 
So God wanted to remind the people through those celebrations of what he had done for them. Amen. Exodus 12, verse 17. We read a little bit of this um, in our devotional reading. It was, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. And here's the reason, the cause. Because it was on this very day that I brought you your divisions out of Egypt. Okay? So the reason God had them celebrate the festival of unleavened bread was because he wanted them to remember that on this very day is when I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, as a standing order. This is something you do every generation, no matter, every year you're going to celebrate this festival to remind you that I brought you out of Egypt today. Okay? We got that piece. God also established festivals for symbolic reasons as a shadow of things to come. Now, what's a symbolic? What's symbolic? What does that mean, symbolic? In terms of literature, think in terms of literature, symbolic. Symbolism. That may be another way you've heard it. Symbolism. Sim- symbolic or symbolism? Right. Uh, it's, I don't know if it's, it's, it's symbolism. It's something that's, that's, yeah. Right. That's it, B. It's right. similar to something else. Right. It, it's, it, it's something that reminds you of something else, basically. And uh, I'll give you a good example of symbolism. We think about, have you, anybody ever seen the Green Mile? Green Mile with uh, uh, Tom Hanks and John Coffey? Uh-huh. It's a long time ago. Uh-huh. I don't remember too much. Well, well I, you, I, I'm sure you're going to remember what I'm about to talk about. The man, John Coffey, was an innocent man. And he had the power to heal people. Okay? But he was being sent to death for the, for the crimes of somebody else. What does that remind us of? Who in the Bible does that remind us of? It's symbolic. That's what symbolism is. Symbolism is whenever an author of a, of a work, um, whether it's a biblical work or, a, uh, or just a book we read, makes a reference to something else, but he kind of does it in a, using other things to make a reference to it. So it's something that basically is similar or reminds us of something else. Okay? It's Minister? Like- Yes. That, that old boy, uh-huh. You, that's a boy. Uh-huh. Uh, Chevy, uh, yep. a Cadillac or whatever. Uh-huh. You see those symbols, uh-huh. you know that that's, that's a Cadillac, that's a boy. That's it. That's a that, it, it. It's the shape of it. Yes. It can be different colors. Yes. It can be different texture, but that shape is what reminds you that that's a Ford or, or a Chevy. That's a, good, that's a really good analogy. That's a really good analogy. Amen. Now, uh... Let's talk about this in scripture so I can show you this kind of the symbolic reasons behind the shadowing of things to come. Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 through 16. Three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days eat bread made without yeast as I command you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv. For in that month you came out of Egypt. Okay. Now, remember Passover. This is what this is talking about. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Okay? This is talking about Passover. All right? I'm going to read verse 16. This is a piece we're really interested in. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruit of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Okay? It's the harvest, right? It's the harvest. Now, think about that. What did Jesus say about the, the field and the workers? 
The harvest is plentiful. Yes, the harvest is great. The laborers are few. Okay. Now Jesus wanted them to do what? Harvest from the fields. Okay. Remember the remember the Passover, celebrating Passover. Passover was we talked about that. It was a reference of Jesus Christ slaughtering the lamb, covering your door with the with the blood of the lamb. Okay, the lamb would let the, when the blood of the lamb is what kept you from dying when death passed over. Remember, Jesus Christ is our covering in the New Testament. It's His blood that keeps us from dying on the day of judgment. It's a reference. It's a it's a it's a it's a um, it's an illusion, um, not a, not an illusion, but an allusion to uh, um, to Jesus Christ, the Passover. God is, uh, we, have think, we have to remember, God is the author and the finisher of our faith, but he is also the author of history. And God, in his infinite wisdom, used these events to show us, us New Testament Christians, what was going to eventually happen. Do we have any questions about that? No. Minister? Uh-huh. I'm getting you. What it speaks about the harvest, it mm-hmm. is not only speaking about the harvest, and the barley and, and mm-hmm. the wheat that's mm-hmm. in the field. But he's speaking of being sold. Yes. Because we, we know in that following, the next verse it says, Pray ye therefore to the Lord of the harvest, uh-huh. that he will send laborers. Laborers, yes. 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 That's it. That's it. These festivals were to remind us of what we had to do. Go ahead, Dee. That's what we're talking about here on Sunday when I said it's a lot of hate. Such few cows. Amen. Amen. That's an illusion. Amen. Go ahead, D. Uh huh. He told them not to put yeast in it. Now, see, a lot of people would say they were in such a hurry to leave Egypt that they didn't have time to let the bread rise. But that's not it. The Bible says he just told them not to put to put yeast in it. That's because I've heard that too. Mm-hmm. It was in the herd. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's just that's just somebody's. Is that right? Yeah. That's not that's not that's not biblical. He just said don't put yeast in it. And if you think about it, the yeast is symbolic of sin because the Bible says a little bit of yeast work at the whole loaf. Um, and they're supposed to get yeast out of their house and, and if anybody eats yeast they're considered unclean. So yeast is symbolic of sin. So it's another him doing the showing showing us a picture of what's to come. And if you think about it, Jesus Christ, if yeast, if yeast is considered sin in bread, then Jesus Christ, him calling himself the bread of life, he didn't have any sin, so he was without yeast. He's the unleavened bread, Jesus Christ is. And uh, some, of our, um, some of our messianic Jewish friends, they, who really understand a lot of these festivals and a lot of the Jewish culture, they can really tell you some stuff that will blow your mind about how the Old Testament paints the picture of Jesus Christ. Not just in prophecy, but in these festivals and in these different rituals that they had to keep. Amen? I think we got that. Now, let's get turned to some definitions here and get really interested here. Can y'all see that real good back there with the lights and stuff on? You say you can? Yeah. All right, good. So, what are tabernacles or booths? We talked about that. They're just temporary places of dwelling. That's all they are, temporary places of dwelling. Temporary places of dwelling. Don't overcomplicate it. That's all the tabernacle is. And remember, I say we name our churches, you know, so-and-so tabernacle, right? Because it sounds good, but, you know, a tabernacle is just a temporary place to dwell. It's really a shabby building. 
You know, it's a shack. You know, it's not even a shack. A shack is a really nice way of, uh, that's, that's too nice of a tabernacle. Uh, shack, a shack is really too nice to be called a tabernacle. Um, a tent is a better way of ex- expressing that concept. The tabernacle was the temporary place where God's spirit lived until the temple was built. Now, I've got to help you understand that. That's why I got that in quotes, lived. God's spirit was, ex- you could experience God's spirit there. But we know God's spirit is everywhere. But to the people, the children of Israel, that's where they went to meet God in the tabernacle. It was a temporary tent that that God commanded them to build in the wilderness so that they could worship him. It was their first church. Amen. And you could actually tear down the tabernacle, fold it up nice and neat, and move it to the next stop, wherever they were going to stop at. And that was the Levite, the the Levitical priest's uh, responsibility. Amen. Now, these, these, these tabernacles that they, that they built, or these sukkots, um, this is what they might have looked like. Can you see that good? That's kind of, let me, yeah, let me turn these lights down. That's probably the best thing if I have that projector here now. I can, I can do that research. Okay, so you can see that there all it is is a box with a little bit of covering on the sides. And the main thing on the top here is those are myrtles and fronds from from the surrounding, you know, vegetation and stuff. Myrtles and stuff, because God gave them very specific instructions on how to build these. Now, I'm going to pause here and do a little teaching. Everybody had to build one of those during this festival of the tabernacles. So this is what the tabernacle was. When they were, this, this, this is not the tabernacle, but this is what their tabernacles were, the individual tabernacles looked like. Just a bunch of booze. Yeah, just a bunch of booze. Now, would you want to live in something like that? Think about it. Long term, you wouldn't want to live in something like that all the time. And so God, this is what they lived in essentially lived in when they were in the wilderness. That's where they stayed and that's where they, 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 they rested at in, in, in the wilderness. That's what it looked like. And you can see why they were anxious to get to, their, to the promised land where they could actually build homes and houses and live in those homes and houses. Does that make sense? Yes. Because they were tired of living like this in these shacks. These, not even shacks, these little shanties, you know. Um, this reminds me of when I went to Jamaica. You saw, you see this all over Jamaica, um, where they, they these little houses and huts and stuff built out of just nothing, you know, tin and and debris, and somebody's living in that, you know, and uh, it's a temporary dwelling, but they're trying to live in it permanently, you know. And when they were in Egypt, they lived in those things—not Egypt, but in the wilderness after Egypt, they lived in those type of things for forty years. You know, generations lived in those things. And moved them, tore them down, and moved them from place to place. Okay? So we got that picture in our heads. Temporary tabernacle is a temporary structure to live in. Tabernacle symbolism. That's why you had to understand that word symbolism. The shadow of things to come. Instituted in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about the symbolism. Instituted after Israel was freed from Egyptian bondage. The tabernacle, festival of tabernacles was instituted after God freed them from bondage, okay? After God freed the children of Egypt from bondage, 
the festival of tabernacles was instituted. Okay, they had to go and live in these these shabby, these shabby, uh, these shabby huts and 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 whatnot, and that's what was instituted. Okay, um, it was instituted to remind Israel of how they lived for forty years in the wilderness. Okay, so they it was to remind them of how they lived for forty years in the wilderness. All right, these shabby shacks constructed to serve as a temporary home. That's what they were constructed for, to be a temporary home. And then ultimately, this festival symbolizes the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. And we're going to look at that scripture, Zechariah chapter 14, verses 12 and then 16. Now, in the New Testament, we see tabernacle mentioned as well. So we're going to make a comparison here. We're going to look at John 1, chapter 14. I'm sorry, John chapter 1, verse 14. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 17. Verses 1 through 4. And then we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. And then ultimately we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. All right, we got that. Let's get into it. Zechariah chapter 14. Let's look at verse 12 and then 16. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot. While they are standing standing on their feet, they're still standing on their feet, their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. So this is what God is going to do to all the nations that fought against Jerusalem in the end times. And verse 16 says, then the survivors from all the nations, anyone who did, he didn't strike dead with that plague, okay, those he didn't strike dead with, dead with that plague, then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the what? Festival of Tabernacles. So to the Jewish, to the Jewish man in this time, or the Jewish woman in this time, when, when the, they, they celebrate the Festival of Tabernacles, it was them looking forward also to when Jesus Christ, not to Jesus Christ, but well, really, when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would come and establish his kingdom on earth. That's where we get that, con- that, that interpretation from with Zechariah 14 and verses 12 and 16. So the bo- it was a time that was, it was a festival that would take place when the, uh, when the, when the, uh, what was I trying to say? When Jesus Christ comes back. This is something that's going to take place. Amen? Now, now let's look at this in the New Testament. We said the Old Testament background here. John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, made his dwelling among us. The word tabernacle is also a verb. I had to go look that one up. So you can, when somebody says you came and tabernacled with us, that means that you made your home temporarily with us. So Jesus Christ came and tabernacled with man in his temporary home on earth. Does that make sense? He spent a season down here with us. Just like the, during the, feast, the Festival of Tabernacles, they would spend seven days in this temporary shelter, Jesus spent 
a, t- a while, a little while with us down here, tabernacling with us in his temporary home. And I think that's, a, I think that's something to begin to paint the picture, amen? Made his dwelling among us, amen? Now let me read from our exposition here a little bit. This is a good place to do this. I'm going to jump, I'm gonna jump us down here into our first exposition. And this is going to be the second paragraph. And it says, Ezra discovered that according to the ordinance, during the seventh month, this, is, this would be equivalent to September and October for us in our timeline, the people were to live seven days in booths, huts made of olive branches, that's what we saw earlier on the slide, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. Immediately they gathered themselves to reinstate the festival of booths or the festival of tabernacles. They realized that God had provided for them as they wandered in a strange land away from their ancestral home. As they wandered in a strange land away from their ancestral home. As they wandered in a strange land away from their ancestral home. Okay? Jesus Christ wandered in a strange land away from his ancestral home. We came and visited us. The alert was sounded by messengers on foot and by the, by the sounding of the alarm or ram's horn. Special instructions were given regarding the materials that were to be gathered for the building of the booze or temporary dwellings. Okay? The tabernacles that each person built. Now let's look at this in scripture again. Now this is where it gets real heavy. This is another one of these things about to go out the window. One of those sayings people have in church. Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 through 4. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Okay? So how many, how many men were take, did Jesus take with him? Three. Three. Amen. All right, John, the brother of James. And led them up a high mountain by themselves. Okay, so there was only Jesus, James, Peter, and John with him. With, with the, went up to the mountain. Then he was transfigured before them, he being Jesus. Now, what does it mean to be transfigured? What, did, what, did, what happened to Jesus? Changed. He changed, but he, but he began to look like his what? His heavenly self. How he was going to look when he got his glorified body. So he gave them a glimpse of who he truly was when he was, when he was transfigured. So he looked heavenly, okay? He looked like God in the form of man. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them, who? Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Okay? So these spirits showed up, Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. Now, do we have a King James Version of this in the house somewhere? King James Version? King James, I need the King James Version. The King's English. Uh-huh, we're going to get there. I need somebody, because it doesn't show it in the, in the New International Version. Read it, read it for us. Read. Now, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, uh-huh. and led them up on, on a high mountain by themselves. Marilyn, jump down into verse 4 for us. Uh-huh. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Mm-hmm. If you wish, let us make make here 
three tabernacles. Mm. One for Moses and one for Elijah. All right. Thank you, Marilyn. That, that was right on time. Three tabernacles. Now, you would hear it preached in church that Peter got happy. <laughs> I've heard this so many times. Well, Peter got happy. He wanted to have church and wanted to stay up there forever. No, that ain't what Peter was thinking. Peter was a Jewish man who was looking forward to the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. We talked about that in Zechariah, that, that verse in Zechariah 14, verses 12 and 16. Now, Peter is seeing Jesus Christ as he, in, his, in his heavenly form with Moses and Elijah. And as he looks forward to the kingdom being established, and remember, what did Jesus preach about being established all the time? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom is near. Peter was thinking that it was now. The kingdom had come. So he wanted to build tabernacles so that, 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 that they could worship God in those tabernacles. Now, one of the things in that, that's not indicated here, but I, had a, I heard a sermon about this from a Jewish man who's a, who's a Christian. Um, he's a Messianic Jew. He said that one of the things that was routine in the experience in the, during the Festival of Tabernacles is that the men, the Jewish men, would expect an experience of God. They would expect God to come and visit them while they were staying in the tabernacle. Now look at this. And this, is where, this is where this makes sense. Peter, James, and John were three men. Peter wanted to build three tabernacles so that each of those men could experience God who had manifested himself there on that, on that mountain inside the tabernacles with them. That's why they wanted to build three tabernacles. He wanted to build a tabernacle so that, so that Moses could come in and visit, so that Elijah could come in and visit, but most importantly so Jesus Christ could come in and visit and dwell with them for a moment. Minister? Moses represented the Lord. Yes. And Elijah represented the prophets. Yes, yes. I love that. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So there's changing. Mm-hmm. Was changing the law? And just talking about oh, well, he was talking? I, I hate to speculate, Deke, but, I, but they were talking about something. But you just said they was talking. The one was representing the law, and one was representing. No, I'm, I'm just saying that that's mm -hmm. what they, they Moses yeah. represented the law. He yeah. was there representing the law, and Elisha was there yeah. representing the prophets. But that's why I guess that's what I said. I've heard that preached. Mm -hmm. But does it say that's what they were doing? Well, I'm not think. I don't think minister is saying that that she's saying that's what they were doing. She just says that they just, they're symbolic. They yes, symbolic. symbolic. Come back to that word. Yeah, that word symbolic. Now, what they were talking about, Deke, I can't say because that would be because it's not in the text. But uh, there was a conversation there, and the piece of that, that that really excites me is that think about who Jesus asked for. He asked for Moses and Elijah. Would you? Now, I mean, that would be a great life to live. Where you serve God so faithfully that when Jesus is doing his thing down here on earth, he don't call for nobody else. He calls for you and Elijah, Moses and Elijah. Have I made that point? The kingdom of God being established on earth was, was prophesied by uh, Zechariah. And Peter, looking forward at it from that prophecy, wanted to build tabernacles for, for, for God to indwell and visit, them with, visit with them. Okay, Temporary structures... 
that you dwell in. That's all the tabernacle is. Now let's go to the next verse. Now this is where it gets real heavy. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? We are God's temple now as Christians. We are God's temple now. God dwells in us. Okay? We always hear that. You're the temple of God. You're the temple of God. Now, we've been painting this picture. And I'm going I'm to I'm slam the door shut on it in a minute. The, the, the tabernacle, the original tabernacle was a temporary structure that God dwelled in. Now God dwells inside of us. And he was trying to show us something. We are temporary structures that God dwells inside of. Our bodies are temporary structures that God dwells inside of. Now, there's two spirits that ought to be at work in your body. The first is your spirit, your soul. The second is the spirit of God. So now look at the picture. A temporary structure with essentially you inside of it and then the spirit of God visiting in you for a while. We see the picture? So now there's two spirits at work in everybody. Your own soul and the spirit of God inside of your body. Your temporary structure. And to make this point very clear, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 10, For we know that if in the earthly tent, Marilyn, can I call on you one more time to look that verse up for us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. I'm going to pause right there because when Marilyn, when Marilyn reads this, we're going we gonna to get this. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, mm-hmm. this tent is destroyed mm-hmm. by the building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Amen. Let me read on through that, Marilyn. There's a, Paul is talking about, in some translations, Paul is talking about the tabernacle. He calls it a tabernacle. He says, meanwhile, keep your finger right there for me, Marilyn. He says, meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Now, remember what I asked you earlier. I said, do you want to live in something like a tabernacle forever? No, you wouldn't want to. Because it's just a box with a bunch of leaves on the top of it for your shelter. So, as we go through life, we should be earn, yearning to have our heavenly home. Because we're in a tabernacle, a temporary place of living. Um, camping, people who go camping, they say that they're roughing it, right? And what do they mean? They don't have all the amenities of home. They don't have running water. They don't have toilets. They don't have refrigeration. They don't have all this stuff. They don't have a supermarket right down the street. They're out in the woods roughing it, okay? And see, as we go through life, one of my contingents is that as I study this is that the reason we suffer as Christians is so that we won't get comfortable living in our tabernacle. Every one of us will have an experience where we get to the point where we long to be home with God. Uh huh. I that's the way I'm getting there, D. <laughs> now, Marilyn, read verse four for me. 
And then verse 5 says, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. Now look at what Paul said in verse 4 before I read on too far. He says, Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. We want to go home. It says, Who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteed what is to come? That's Deke's verse there. He always says that. Gave us a spirit as a deposit of what is to come. See, God gave you his spirit so that it would, would remind you and be a deposit of what's to come in the future. So you get rid of that temporary home and have a permanent home. The permanent home. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it says, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Okay? Now, that, that's true, because what happened in the Old Testament? As long as they were in the wilderness, camping in those tabernacles, they weren't in the promised land yet. They spent 40 years living in those tents, moving from stop to stop. They weren't home yet. We aren't home yet. And the suffering we go through in this life is our... Is, is, is equivalent or symbolic of, I would say, the tabernacles that we, we live in and how they're not our permanent home. Think about it. Your, your knees ache. You get sick. You get mistreated by folk. You can't trust folks the way you want to. Bad relationships. You know, people don't listen. People don't honor and respect the, the word of God. All these things mixed together in your life you know, you got to work and, and scuffle out of living. And it gets to a point in time where what? You're tired of it. And don't get sick where you get something that keeps you, that keeps you sick for a while. You know, I have a grandmother who, um, who I was telling Deke about this morning. She's still not healthy from a stroke. And that's been over a year ago. She can't walk. She can't teach. She can't take care of herself. She's in a tabernacle. Longing to be home. And see, that's the mistake of our youth is that we think that because I'm young and I'm healthy and I'm upright and I'm strong, that I, that I got it made. But when we get older and we get to think, and then some stuff gets to aching a little bit and hurting a little bit and we, get our, we, get, we go through life and we take our scars and our lumps. And, and as people say life happens, we begin to long for a better place. One, a place where we won't be disappointed anymore. You know, there's a song out right now that um, I've been listening to probably the last uh, couple of days by Tamala Mann, Take Me to the King. I don't have much to bring. My heart's been torn to pieces and it's my offering. That's, the, that, that's some powerful lyrics in that song. And I don't praise gospel music too much, y'all know that. But that, that is good. She says she's tired of all the stuff she's been living in this life. And now she wants to go to the king because at, at where the king is, that's home. And it says, verse 9 here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We are home. We're not home, church. And the Festival of Tabernacles was to remind them of a time when they lived apart from where God wanted them to permanently dwell at. We are living now because of Jesus Christ and His Spirit and the Spirit of God that indwells us. We are now essentially in our lives every day living the Festival of Tabernacles. Each and every Christian is a tabernacle. And as you go through life and live day by day, you're going to get tired and a little bit more tired, a little bit more upset, a little bit more frustrated with how things are until you get to a point where you're ready to go home and be in your permanent dwelling place, a a temple or building not made by man's hands. And we sing that song in church, don't we? We do. A temple, a building, I should say, not made by man's hands. Are there any questions about the tabernacles? God wrote all this stuff in history through the lives of the Israelites to show us his son, Jesus Christ, and how it would be when when his kingdom was established. Peter was partially right. Jesus Christ had established the temple. He had established, I'm sorry, not the temple, the the new kingdom of God. But he didn't, the tabernacles that were built weren't tabernacles made out of brush and sticks. It was made out of human flesh. And now we're those tabernacles. Amen. We're those tabernacles. Are there any questions and comments? Thank you for listening to another installment of the Renewed Mind Podcast. Be sure to listen again as we endeavor to renew our minds.